0: Never SWAT a Fly album is finally released, but there are a few changes in the lineup ahead. you're listening to episode five of the podcast, Who Walks In? The story of the New Harlem Jazz Band. My name's Bill Morris. start of 1978, the band was busy with a regular Sunday night at Smackers and appearances at Athels Abbey and the Jazz Club. There are always other one-off gigs as well. In May, Ian took up a great opportunity to go to the United States with Tom Baker's San Francisco Jazz Band on a tour that included appearances at the Sacramento Jazz Jubilee. New Harlem kept working, Using fill in trumpeters. By the time Ian returned, the band had become the regular Saturday night band at Athol's Abbey.
1: Welcome to the Abbey Ladies and
0: By the end of 1978, the band had established Athel's Abbey as their home, every Friday and Saturday. The weekly advertisement in The Age promised a superb chef-prepared menu, and a great night out with the fabulous New Harlem jazz band. Richard Opat found the busy band schedule and running a business difficult to juggle and decided to leave New Harlem. However, he missed playing in a band and soon joined another, quite different outfit.
2: out that door God orders from the baby not to come home juice no more
0: Richard joined the close band heard here playing Let Me Go Home Whiskey I just Richard's replacement on drums was Robert Wood. Robert grew up in a musical family. My mother was a mezzo-soprano. Soprano in the National Theatre and uh,
1: there was a piano in the house. I didn't play any musical instrument uh, or I didn't play piano. I didn't have any interest in it really as a, a child. I did um, play in the drum corps at the, in the primary school for a little while. After that, I did nothing until I ran into a chap that I knew who had a drum kit. And I went round to his house one day and had a little bit of a bash and thought, oh,
0: this is good fun. So I ended up buying a drum kit and had a few lessons. Before long, he joined a rock and roll band that played covers at weddings and reception venues, until he met Robert Reed, known to his friends as Cough Drop.
1: Lovely bloke, um... And he just formed, or was trying to form a band playing New Orleans music, the Golden Leaf New Orleans Jazz Band. And I uh, went and joined up with them, and that's how I got into jazz, basically. So I was a late comer to traditional jazz.
0: Robert remembers getting advice on playing from another Golden Leaf band member.
1: There was an expert in the band in the band Huda Rosero (laughs) had played drums himself and and he he was very very knowledgeable about the genre and uh, he he gave me a few tips and there was lots of recordings that I then started listening to and uh, yeah I really got into it
0: New Harlem rehearsed at the Abbey on Saturday afternoon and often introduced a new tune to the Saturday night audience A lot of fun was had organising special nights, such as an election night special, which included Neil Orchard, hidden behind the piano, reporting on the state of the parties. Nights program included jazz standards such as Savoy Blues and Willie the Weeper, the band's Duke Ellington arrangements and songs from the New Harlem albums. So- The Abbey audience wasn't just a jazz crowd, so there was plenty of music for dancing and the occasional audience participation song. the cellar venue was always packed and all the band loved playing there.
2: We'd
3: like to play a tune that uh, we've had a couple of requests for. It's entitled, Does Time Never Fall?
4: night Saturday night at the Abbey restaurant was like a party every week it really was (laughs) marvelous we were we were well liked by the management well looked after by the management
1: I loved Atholsemi, I thought that was a fabulous venue. It was a, I enjoyed playing there, it was a great place to play. And socially it was fantastic as well.
3: I love playing there. Mori um, Dan hated it because everyone was smoking and drinking. And Maury said to me once that, you know, he got home, he'd get home after the gig, he'd take his clothes off and leave them on the porch and jump under the shower.
0: The launch of the Never Swat a Fly album finally went ahead in late 1978 at Smackers Place. But unfortunately on the night, the records were sitting in a warehouse in Sydney and all the band had to show was a few album covers designed by artist Alex Stitt. Alex was well known for creating Norm and the Life Be In It campaign. The audience got to hear the band play the album live but went home empty-handed. One tune they heard was the Mills Brothers' version of Organ Grinder Swing, featuring New Harlem's Boswell Brothers, Ian, Bob and Chris. Eventually, the band got hold of copies, and the album sold well at the Abbey, particularly just before Christmas.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, we have a record here with us
2: tonight.
3: We have a platter, plastic platter, being played on the ABC. You can buy it at brushes or, uh, or uh, quite a few other record stores for $7.99. Or you can buy an autographed copy from us for only uh, $7. Great Christmas buying, great Christmas buying, with me so. If you don't like it, you can use it as a... Uh, Oh, something else. Frisbee, yeah. <laughs> it's got a lovely picture of, uh, picture of all the boys in the band on the back. And uh, it's got some uh, quite good music on it, if we do so so ourselves. And it's uh, called Never Swat a Fly, and it's $7. And if anybody would like a copy of our latest record, just come and ask us. We'll be only too happy to send you one. December
0: 1978 was a busy month for New Harlem as well as their regular Friday, Saturday and Sunday nights at Athol's Abbey and Smackers, the band performed at the Melbourne Town Hall and the Dallas Brooks Hall before travelling to Adelaide for the 33rd Australian Jazz Convention. On Thursday the 7th of December, a rally was held at the Melbourne Town Hall to protest government budget cuts to the national broadcaster. It was organised by aunties, nieces and nephews, a support group of the ABC. New Harlem were asked to participate and were happy to oblige. The night produced a moment that was often remembered by members of the band, even some who may not have been there. I remember where we were playing in support of the ABC when the ABC was under a lot of... Pressure from people who would have preferred it had different opinions, and I remember Bob Gilbert doing a solo, our reed player, and the audience went into raptures, and Bob couldn't believe it was such a good solo. What Bob couldn't see was, I think it was Gough Whitlam coming out from behind the curtain. It may have been they were applauding him rather than Bob solo, we'll, we'll never really know. On Friday, December 22nd, a concert was held at Dallas Brooks Hall in Melbourne, featuring the Turk-Murphy jazz band from San Francisco. New Harlem was the support act. The Turk-Murphy band had been brought to Australia to appear at the 33rd Australian Jazz Convention in Adelaide. The next day... Brian Cordes wrote in The Age that Turk's band offered a pre-Christmas treat to the loyal at the Dallas Brooks Hall on Friday. He went on to write, Melbourne's own New Harlem jazz band preceded the Americans on stage with a lively, exciting repertoire that ranged from the pop classic As Time Goes By to the Mills Brothers' Organ Grinder Swing to their own fun number... Never swat a fly. He also wrote that success with Turk Murphy would have allowed the promoters to finance New Harlem on a tour of the United States. Unfortunately, the loyal were only a few hundred in number, and the concert was not a financial success. New Harlem did not go on a tour to the United States. But the band did travel to Adelaide after Christmas for the 33rd Australian Jazz Convention. Their performance was well received by the convention audience, which earned the band a coveted spot on the program of the public concert at the Adelaide Town Hall.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, to open the second half for three quarters, or what you will, of the program, the New Harlem Jazz Band from Victoria. Ian Smith, leader on trumpet. Bob Gilbert, Bob Gilbert on reeds. Chris Ladowick on trombone. Neil Orchard on piano. Murray Dunn on banjo. Phil Morris on tuba. Bob Wood on drums. <laughs> the new Harlem jazz band from
3: for more spelling and geography science and philosophy
0: The next tune they played, which had taken considerable time to learn, really stole the show. The hard work paid off and the audience loved it.
3: We'd like to play a Jimmy Lunsford tune entitled Rain. Rain.
2: her in the rain you kiss her in
0: Ian recalls how satisfied he was with the band's performance. The best the best
3: the band sounded, I think, was at the Adelaide Jazz Convention. Well, that's, that's I think, that's the sort of, of my period in the band, that's the ultimate stuff.
0: But one member of the audience didn't enjoy it quite so much.
3: I thought what the
4: band did with Rain, the Jimmy Lunsford thing that Ian
3: did, I went to the Adelaide Convention... And I was in the audience when the band did it. It brought the house down, and I wasn't in the band, and I thought, "God, that's good, that is so good." So I had mixed very much mixed
4: feelings about it, but I will never forget it. It was what it was just fantastic. No other word for it.
0: The band returned to Melbourne, pretty happy with how it had all gone, except perhaps for Neil Orchard, who had a bad case of sunburn after falling asleep on Glenelg Beach. Outdoor concerts can be challenging. Too hot, too cold, too windy, and in some cases too wet. In March 79, the band played at a jazz festival organised by the Ferntree Gully Lions Club which was broadcast live on 3CR. The small crowd heard a number of bands, and yes, New Harlem played Rain. In the background of the broadcast of the band's performances, heavy rain can be heard. Maybe anxious to get out of the rain, New Harlem finished their set with an up-tempo version of Who Walks In, which featured Morrie Dan playing a banjo solo which was much appreciated by the small audience. at the same time in march 1979 the band was approached to participate in some music to be used in a forthcoming australian film <laughs>
4: This is who was a mobile, bell, mobile, no, no Without the new, without the old, without the without
0: the theme to the Australian film Last of the Knucklemen, directed by Tim Burstall. Bruce Meaton wrote the music, and the band recorded their part without any of the other musicians present.
1: I had this um, amazing old Chinese cymbal, which sounded so bad it was fantastic. I called it my trash cymbal. The little track we did for, for The Last of the Knucklemen, basically I, all I played was a bass drum and a and the, and the trash symbol. And, uh, yeah, I can remember Bruce Smeaton saying, that is fantastic.
0: The singer is Mick Conway from the Captain Matchbox band. A few years later, New Harlem was to work with Bruce Smeaton again on another film. Ian Smith and the band parted company in July 1979 and the search for a new trumpet player, preferably one who could sing, commenced. Ian's contribution to the local jazz scene continued and although he was no longer a member of New Harlem, he left an indelible stamp on the band that he had created over ten years earlier. We'll hear more about Ian's career in a later episode. Chris Ludewick became the leader of New Harlem as the band collectively thought about who might replace Ian. They continued all gigs for a short time with fill-in trumpeters. Before long, it was decided to approach Sandro Donati. We met Sandro briefly in episode three, when he and Pat Miller sat in with the New Harlem at the old Melbourne Motor Inn back in 1974. Five years later, Sandro had had quite a lot of experience playing around Melbourne and overseas. Sandro remembers how his interest in jazz first came about.
3: Growing up with mum and dad as immigrants, our social network was fairly close with with other immigrants from people from Friuli, Italy. And um, that was our social circle. And it was around about then that at a family sort of and friends party, um, all the teenagers went out into the garage. And I was sort of in in that in between stage, so I went to the garage because i couldn't stand sitting around with what I thought were the old folks in in the garage. the teenagers were playing Frank trainer, sweet Patootie, and they were dancing, and I just couldn't believe it. I thought this is fantastic, you know I was, all of a sudden I realized that there was a society a socialness, a community that that um and it was pivoted around music and music was was driving this kind of thing. And I got so excited that um, the next day, I ran to my friend's house and I said, Rex, Rex, I've just heard about jazz. <laughs> and he goes, oh yeah, so have I. And we became really sort of excited about um, jazz and all that sort of stuff. And then we sort of started consuming anything that was, that had jazz written on it and all. And um, fortunately Rex had some sisters who were a little bit older and they knew a bit more about it as well. And also my brothers were starting to socialize in that sort of um, late teenage sort of bracket and go to jazz dances, And so that was started to infiltrate the family. And so Rex and I, at the tender age of 12, (laughs) started going to the Purple Eye in Capitol Arcade and listening to um, John Hawes and his Jasmine. We'd hide ourselves in one of the doorways and count up to 100 before we built up enough courage to approach the door. And then we'd we'd lie about our age. We'd say, oh, yes, we're 14, (laughs) so we could get in. It was crazy, yeah.
0: Before long, he was learning to play the trumpet. Because of that excitement,
3: um, and of course there's, there's that, that allure that says the trumpet player's kind of like the, the lead guitarist these days, so there was a kind of a, a reason to be a bit of a show-off. And also, I mean, it was coincidental as well, because at the school that I went to, um, which was Collingwood Tech, um, in that same year that all of this was happening they decided to start a brass band and so I auditioned for the Cornet and got the gig and started to learn how to play. Being a member of the brass band meant that you had certain privileges in in being able to go into the music room during recess and after school and we would do this and once again some of the older kids in the uh, in the school would have jazz records and they'd talk about jazz and talk about you know music and that's how I took up that's how I became uh, took up the trumpet and the, the interesting thing there is that um the person that got the trombone in that in that band was a fella called John Shelton who then John and I became friends and because the brass band was an integral part of the cadet corps and Paul Finity was involved in the Cadet Corps. Paul Finity then became friends, and Paul's father was uh, a guitar player in the Horridagi uh, Quartet Quintet, and so Paul had access to guitar and a banjo, and so we had Paul, John Sheldon and myself getting together and sort of trying to approach this music in some manner.
0: Eventually, Sandro managed to put a band together. And that's when... Patrick Miller comes into the
3: picture, because at the same time I'm working in this grocery store in Canning Street, Carlton, and Pat Miller would come in and buy um, our panini, you know, our our bread rolls with cheese and salamis and ham, freshly sliced hams and stuff. And, you know, we, the two of us, would have a bit of a banter and he would be carrying his little instrument case. And I thought, and, you know, I sort of struck up the, the courage to say, what's in there? And he said, it's a clarinet. I said, ah oh, yeah, you want to join the band? <laughs> and he was a little bit hesitant because <laughs> he was going to the Lutepano school and learning proper clarinet. And, um, and but he 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 agreed and um, he brought with him Cal Duffy, who played drums, because Cal and he were at the same Catholic school in somewhere in North Melbourne, I think. Um and so we had we had a a band we had a five piece band more or less that um, would get together most Saturday afternoons and just pretend we were playing jazz. We didn't, you know, we we'd sort of explore what was going on around the scene. You know, we knew about the Yarras, we knew about the Red Onions, we knew about Frank Trainer. We ended up calling ourselves the Northside, the Northside Jazz Band because we were north of the Yarra, as opposed to all those other bands which were south of the Yarra.
0: Like many bands starting out, the line-up of the Northside band changed from time to time and the name changed to Limehouse. Sandro eventually left Limehouse and teamed up again with his friend Pat Miller, who had joined the army but was back in Melbourne. They formed the Alexandria Quartet and worked a lot of gigs, many in pizza parlours. I remember seeing the band play an enjoyable lunchtime concert in the early 70s at the Pran Tech where I was studying photography. Eventually, they decided to expand the band, adding Peter Clohacy on drums.
3: We'd come to understand what the New Orleans uh, music was about in terms of that collective improvisation, that that spontaneity, that that, um, energy that um, you could ramp up, you know, if, if, if it really got going, that four on the floor kind of power. And we called that band rather pretentiously Neo Creole. It didn't last long. We played at the jazz convention, which was at the Dorset Gardens that year. And then in 75, I went overseas for close to two years, came back in 70, at the end of 76, early 77.
0: When Sandro returned to Australia, he joined a disco funk band and toured the Australian seaboard for a couple of years. He was keen to further improve his trumpet playing and was taking lessons and rehearsing with Barry V's Big Band. Joining New Harlem, who had regular gigs and rehearsed regularly, suited Sandro and the band was pleased when he agreed to come on board. Murray Dan left the band a few months after Ian. But it turned out a replacement wasn't too hard to find. Chris Farley returned to the banjo stool, five years after he had left the band in 1974.
4: Robert Wood, who was the drummer in New Harlem at the time, told me that there was a an opening for a bright young banjo player. So uh, I, I was back in. Uh, I, nothing could stop me.
0: Chris Farley was welcomed back into the band and a special night at the Abbey celebrated him becoming an Australian citizen. The Abbey's already smoky atmosphere was enhanced somewhat that night, with the cooking of snags on stage on a real barbecue.
3: Old devil kicks And I'm gonna tell you just why,
2: why? He don't allow music By the river sticks You're evil And you're deep breath Yeah, yeah And misbehave Oh, so if you wanna be saved
0: Sing You Sinners, the title track of the album of the same name, with the band's new trumpeter, Sandro Donati, out front on the vocal. This was the second album recorded for Bill Armstrong's Jazz & Jazz label. The album was recorded in November and December 1979 at Bill Armstrong Studios in South Melbourne. The sessions were engineered and mixed by Ron Halstead. The vocals feature most members of the band... And guest Pippa Wilson, who at the time was singing with the band at the Abbey. Here's Pippa singing Messin' Around.
4: Messing around, I'm telling the world it's a hound that naughty messing around. I'm telling you that you will never be blue. It seems so tricky, it's true, and yet it's easy to do. Start down low and come up slow, turn to the left and right. Get way back and get all set, twist with all your might. It's all over town, wherever music is found. you find it breaking down, dancing and messing around. Oh That naughty messing around. Well, I'm telling you that you will never be blue. It seems so tricky, it's true, and yet it's easy to do. Start down low and come up slow. Turn to the left and right. Get way back and get all set. Twist with all your might. It's all over town, wherever music is fine, you find it breaking and down, dancing and messing around.
0: Like all previous New Harlem albums, there's at least one Duke Ellington classic. This time, a beautiful tune from 1928, Black Beauty. The album also included two original compositions, an instrumental by Neil Orchard called There You Go Again, featuring Bob Gilbert, and a novelty song of mine does a florist open on Mother's Day. You've been listening to episode five of Who Walks In, the story of the New Harlem Jazz Band. In the next episode, the band spends a lot of time in the recording studio and does a gig on the Yarra River, escorted by a flotilla of small boats.
2: Who's that who I'm talking
0: about? You can learn more about the band and contact us at whowalksin.com. Look forward to hearing from you. This has been a Wasting Time production.